This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Doug Sweeney, CMO of One Medical. Doug is a fantastic marketer who has previously served as the CMO of Nest and the Vice President of Marketing at Google. On this episode, Doug talks about his experience marketing innovation in the medical field. He also talks about how he got his start in marketing, why he tries to work for mission-based companies, and much more. A big thank you to Doug for coming on the show. And without further ado, here is our interview with Doug Sweeney, CMO of One Medical. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we are in downtown San Francisco at One Medical HQ. Doug, how's it going? Excellent, Ian. How are you? It is great. It's a great day. I'm so excited to do this interview. We've been waiting on this for a little bit of time, and I am extremely passionate about healthcare. I think it's a huge issue, obviously. And uh, I'm just so excited to talk about you know, what you're working on at One Medical, and we'll dive into uh, to some of your background as well. So first, how did you get into marketing? Great question. Um, so I was a hobby kid in the 70s. I was a, I was a model rocket guy. I loved to go out in my garage and, and build rockets, uh, model trains, we had a house up in Marin that was an old house, and I loved building that on the weekend. So I'm a kind of a guy who likes to get in there and get my hands dirty. So that was that was definitely a passion of, of creating things. I went to a school where I was surrounded by a bunch of college buddies who were actually in the field as well. I went to Syracuse. They have a strong school there called Newhouse Communication yeah. School. So I was I was in and around it. I, I was feeling the vibe and, and headed to, to New York City. I also had this passion for brands. My, my room as a kid had Nike posters on the yeah. wall. I had the John McEnroe Rebel with a Cause poster. Yeah. I, was in, I was really into this idea of how brands connect with consumers and, and tie into pop culture. That was just something that, that interested me at a young age and, and made an entry into the advertising agency side as a media planner as my first, my first job out of school. So flash forward to what you're working on as CMO One Medical. Why were you so excited to take this job? So I, I've been a member since 2015. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So I knew, knew the product. My wife introduced me to the company. I had a provider experience where he was sort of at lunch for, for an hour and a half. He, he did not have email, and that's not a joke. I could not. I asked to send an email, and they said, you're going to need to send a fax, and you're going to need to scan it and then fax it into us. And, and it, it really felt like I was back in the dark ages. She said, you've got to try One Medical in Green Bray. And I did. And I, I was blown away. I was like, wow, here is a experience um, with a healthcare provider, primary care brand that was operating like all of the other brands in my life that I love. It, it was like Uber or Lyft or Netflix or Google. It was, it was operating from a user experience, from consumer experience at the way I was engaging with brands. And it was, it was frictionless. It was super easy to use. The providers were wonderful. So I had 
I had really good context for it. I also felt like the category, not unlike insurance or the cable business, is sort of one of the last of the the to-be-disrupted categories. So it was a category filled with lots of unloved brands with very low NPS scores and one medical was very much this sort of shining beacon of, of how you do it and how you do it right. And that really excited me. I'm also passionate about health and I'm passionate about mission-based companies. And that was something that was really, really important to me. You know, obviously our name is Mission. Uh, we're huge into working. And that wasn't a suck up, by yeah, the way. Yeah, no, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, no, I'm here for it. It could be. It could um, be. I, I love in our conversations before this talking about mission-based companies and you know, we, we as a company only work with mission driven companies for that reason is like as much it is, you know, fun to shill some random thing. Like you really want to work with people that inspire you companies and products that you believe in that are going to be around for, you know, for 10 years, for 20 years, hopefully for a lot longer than that. You know, you've worked at some really mission based companies like Google and Levi Strauss, Nest, I don't want to say like, how did you pick them? But yeah. like, what's your kind of criteria for looking at a mission-based company? So, I mean, for me, it's it's super simple, really. I mean, I, I have to work with Magnet myself to companies or brands that I that I use and I'm passionate about and I, I intimately know. You know, I, I'm not a, a, a SaaS marketer. is not something that, that ex- ever excited me that much, really. I was a Levi's kid. I only wore Levi's. I was a, an Adidas kid. And Nest was a, was a product I had and I, I loved it and I was blown away by the technology and what it, what it gave consumers. The, the interest in healthcare was very much the same way. Like, that, could, I make, could I make a real impact? Yeah, and... One Medical's mission is so important as we go forward. Like the idea of consumerization of healthcare, tech-enabled healthcare, like it is coming. Yes. And it's so important. Like what's the scope of marketing at One Medical? Good question. So our mission is to transform healthcare for all. It's a pretty big, hairy, audacious mission (laughs) statement. It's a bad experience for many, many people. It's horrible. Uh, it's terrible. Tw- you know, the, the average time to get into a primary care doctor in America is roughly a month. It's exactly 24 days. That is wild. I mean, it's just, and it's, and it's, it's the biggest pain point for consumers. You can't get in with one medical at a same day or next day appointments. You can get in right away. And that's been one of the key things that we've, from the very beginning, from the genesis the company um, created. Forget specialty care is even further out. Yep. I mean, if you're, you are a family member, uh, need to get into a hospital today, good luck. I mean, you really need to know somebody there to get in. It is very hard to navigate, and it's much longer than 24 days. So it's really, really tough for, for consumers. And that doesn't even count the fact that once you're in there, you have a medical issue right. that you need to advocate on your own behalf. You yes. need to like do all these things. Like the process of just being, you know, sick or injured or whatever it is, going through the process, that's hard enough as is. Like right. that process is so difficult. To make the process of getting to the hospital difficult is freaking wild. Right. And then when you get there, what's that experience like? Yeah. We spend a tremendous amount of time 
making the consumer experience as wonderful as it can be. From the minute you're greeted in the office to the minute you leave, to how the provider engages with you, to the experience in the app or in the digital scheduling or a 24-7 virtual care. We go out into the market and do rounds en masse Mm -hmm. once a month. We go out for two to three hours. We go out into the field and we witness and work on the experience together. Wow. So it is very, very much about the consumer experience. Is that the marketing team? Like who all is that's doing that? The, that's the whole company. Wow. That is the leadership of the company. The whole leadership team, Amir Dan Rubin is our CEO. The whole leadership team was out two weeks ago and another two weeks we have another session. And that, then it's across the whole company. Uh, we call it CI Care. It's actually going out and experiencing where the work happens out in the field with patients and members and providers. And we talk about the experience end to end. It's a key part of what we do. It's, it's very much one of the key secret sauces of the company, the experience. that That's we provide. amazing. It's pretty powerful. I mean, we, you know, I think a lot of people, especially on this show, we talk a lot about customer experience. Easy to talk about, not as easy to execute. It's, it's not easy. And when you're at scale. So we have uh, 60 plus offices now. So the company is in nine markets. We launched San Diego just uh, two weeks ago now. Um, we're expanding into other markets. So we are a, a national primary care brand. We're built for the expectations of consumers today. We're operating at the speed that they're operating at and the experiences and quality. We call it real life care. It's a consumer healthcare brand that is bending around your life, yeah. not telling you you've got to uh, bend around the way we operate by sending faxes and calling us after two o'clock because we're at lunch. No, totally. <laughs> I mean, you just think about the pain point of, hey, if I go to school, like let's say from eight to five every day, mm -hmm. uh, or, or I have work, let's say yep. eight to five every day, and I'm taking night classes from, you know, seven to 10, Right. When am I going to go see a primary care doctor? Right. Are they? And uh, if you're not feeling well now, you've got something you want to talk to a doctor about. Waiting a month is very stressful on that member, right? It is really, it's a very stressful experience if something's bothering you and it's weighing on you and you can't get in. So we made that a big part of the offering. The way we do it, the reason we can do that and this is really key. Uh, the company is 12 years old. So it's a, started in 2007 by Tom Lee, who was a provider. Most providers in the space are paid on turnstiles or the number of visits that they get in. So it becomes a goal of, of increasing your panel size to as many members, patients you can get in the door. We limit our panel per day and the visits are 30-minute visits and our doctors are salaried. So they're not compensated it's the way the company was founded. It's not, you're not compensated on more tests and more turnstile visits. You're able to spend time with a member and talk about their health goals and what they want to do. What a world, uh, huh? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty great experience. And our, you know, the net promoter score and feedback on it sort of reflects that in that people, people love it. I always thought that that was the biggest problem with healthcare is just like misaligned incentives. If the way you make your money is by billing insurance, mm -hmm. and if the way that you bill insurance is by number of visits, then you know you're going to end up figuring out a way to maximize for those things, right? That's exactly right. It's all based on how you're incentivized. I, I totally agree with you. And that, that's another reason why you, 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 we've all been to doctor experiences where you finally get that appointment, and then you're in the waiting room for ten or fifteen minutes. 
that doesn't happen because our visits are 30-minute typical blocks, depending on if it's a physical, it can go longer than that, a wellness visit. But it's a set block of time, and there can be no more than X amount of patients in a given day. So there's not the ability to gain the system and have you wait in the waiting room because there's more patients in there. Someone making popcorn? <laughs> yes, I think they are. That's hilarious. This is, yeah. uh, hey, this is our, I think this is like, we do, this is a, it's a cultural thing here that we do where it's about, it, it's both physical and culturally a giving thanks to other people in the company. Yeah. We call it popcorn and people clap their do snap their fingers. No way. Yes. That's so serious. Oh, that's it's great. It's a very human-centric culture, too. So we do this thing. Do you remember when in school that you do uh, popcorn reading? No. Did you ever no, no, oh, no. Okay, this yeah. is great. So you have a classroom, like, you know, 30 students, and it's called popcorn reading. And so the teacher says, hey, Doug, you're first, you're going to read the first chapter yeah. of the book. And then you have to say at the end of your chapter, you pick who's next. Oh. It's like, oh, Popcorn Catherine yeah. uh, or like Popcorn Ian or whatever. So we do this all the time at Mission. It's one of our things that we do of like, you can like popcorn someone in a meeting or what I do all the time is I just popcorn myself. <laughs> and uh, and when I want to talk, uh, which is which probably is way too often. You can smell the popcorn right now. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah. We're definitely leaving this in. Uh, so <laughs> I wanted to talk about how a product and a service that is this important, that you feel this strongly about, that you want to get to a lot of people. That's what yes. all marketers you know, want. Yes. But then you actually have to do it. How do you look at getting in front of people when the value proposition seems so clear mm-hmm. um, you know, is it just about, hey, getting this in front of as many people as possible so they can see, you know, mm-hmm. next day or like same day or next day primary care? Like what's kind of your your methodology? That's a good question. I mean, I think it depends on a couple of things as you look at our segmentation. So geographically, in the way we're set up, we've entered and we have history in certain markets for longer periods of time than in other markets. So in New York and San Francisco, we've been here for for San Francisco for 12 years, yeah. New York for 10, DC for a good amount of years, and other markets like San Diego were two weeks old. So our messaging in market, both in digital, traditional media, at home, radio, all media, you know, a full stack media approach strategy, the messaging is actually different based on, on where we are because their understanding of the brand and history with it may not be as clear. So that's one thing that we start with. There's also segmentation based on age and other cohorts. Um, If there's children in the household, we have other services at One Medical beyond primary care. We do behavioral health. We do with pediatrics. We have other services. So we're doing at a more granular level, both within the app so, so from a provider to Ian saying, okay, it's time for your yearly blood work with, or measles shot, whatever that topic is at the time. Um, those are very, very targeted. So we're able to segment demographically and we do the same through any email lifecycle messaging that we're, we're doing as well. So it's multi-layered and multi-pronged. Our business side is actually even, even more diverse because that's a whole separate communication strategy as we partner with um, the businesses that we that we work with. Yeah, and I want to get into that. This idea of of a company that's has a B two C product yeah. and a B two B product. It kind of seems like 
you've had the perfect career to lead you to this point because you had so much work with Levi's on brand plays, mastering advertising, figuring out that entire media stack that you were talking about with Nest selling a product that's brand new in the market that gives you a lot of education on what it is, something cool and kind of fun. You know, and obviously just being at Google in general and having such a strong brand name, there's a lot of lessons there in a digital first company. Yes. But also this idea that a product like Nest that is consumers love or Mm -hmm. focus on, but businesses might need that education. How did you go about that ability to engage the B2B side of the business when you were focusing on B2C? How do you switch messaging? Mm -hmm. How do you ensure that you're not confusing messaging? Like how do you split your team? What are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, this is a really interesting part of our business. And, and in some way I think it's our, one of our best kept secrets. We, we partner with 4,000 companies and that could be five person, small law firms to some of the largest technology brands in the, in the country. Oh, that's good. So it is that small. Oh yeah, we go down that small. We work with small companies that want to offer. They they you know we're a we're a membership model, so we we have a two hundred dollar a year membership, and all of the services visit costs are paid through traditional insurance. Many of the companies we work with pay for that membership fee on behalf of their employees. So, it so is, like Mission could you know we have I think thirteen employees right now. We could say 200 bucks each. Yes, we will cover that cost for you and all the rest of the. So the the opportunity for any company, small, medium, large is, you know, happier, healthier employees, keeping them out of being sick or on the road. And and we're able to create a really powerful experience for them to be to be healthy. It's a a wonderful perk. And then consumers love it. The the company and brand, not unlike Nest, started as a consumer offering. It started as that. What happened is you had many, I mean, a lot of this is the groundswell and word of positive word of mouth of the company that it gets requested into, into when you start talking about HR benefits, well, what, gee, wouldn't it be great if XYZ Airbnb, as an example, is a partner of ours or Lyft, the HR team added this to their benefit portfolio and actually paid for it for the consumers. So it started in, in that very same way. So the B2B marketing has clearly a lot of, we have a a variety of strategies and and tactics that that we're applying there. Classic things like owned and operated events for HR leaders that we do. We have an event called the Work Well Summit, where we invite 150 of our top business partners for a day talking about the future of wellness in employees. And we have guest speakers and we talk about new services we're launching and new geographies we're launching. So we do things like that, webinars, white papers, things that are really important to that HR decision maker. But the employees are also a a key part of this. So there's a direct correlation between the consumer marketing is absolutely impacting the B2B decision makers. And that's really, really important. And we can target it in that way as we, as we're developing. Yeah. The bubble up, you know, kind of bottom up refinement. That's, I love, and I love ad campaigns. I always love ad campaigns where it's, you know, ask your Ask That's your great. blank, right? right? That's like right. Twilio does a great job right. with this of like ask your developer, right? Yes. Um, G- Gmail like started that way. I, I had worked on a campaign um, at Shy Day that we, that was it was in the early Gmail era where it was a 
a PDF that was created, packaged up with the savings based on the number of employees you had, mm-hmm. of what Gmail could offer to you, to your IT professional. So it was a bottoms up approach about sort of spreading, spreading the love. This happened, of course, with iPhone as well, with IT and tech, that it was sort of a groundswell from the employees. It's not that different with One Medical. We have incredibly high NPS. Our NPS is 90 plus. Wow. People love it. And the number one vehicle we have for becoming a One Medical member is actually word of mouth. Yeah. So word of mouth is really powerful for us. So we're able to fuel that with those HR leaders. Yeah, we had uh, we had Ryan Benici, the CMO of G2 Crowd on, uh, on the show. And also Jay Bear. But yeah, both of them talked about this idea. It's like 90% of buying decisions are, are word of mouth now, whether that is someone physically telling you or whether it is you were looking at reviews or crowdsource information or whatever it is. Like yep. there, someone else is informing your decision. Yeah. Um, therefore, customer experience should be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, you know, your MPS is, is your best metric. How do you accelerate those stories? That's a good question. So on the business side, we do do a lot of case study development, as you can imagine. So we're working, like we, SoulCycle's a partner of ours. So we went oh, and yeah. crafted a two, three minute story from the HR benefit leaders perspective and employees of what that experience is really like. Also supported by a white paper. Uh, Zendesk, we did the same thing. So mm-hmm. that we've, we've packaged up some of the experience to tell the story from the business side. On the consumer side, we've used testimonials, classic testimonials to tell the story. We have other referral programs that we have in development, actually, that we're working on as well about how do we get the referrals to be more of a, um, a fuel, rocket fuel to, to our growth. The kind of downside of some of this stuff, or I guess it's not a downside, but a challenge is that, especially in the HR world, there's a lot of stuff that you can't share, and there's a lot of companies that potentially wouldn't want to be in the case study, that wouldn't want to be talked about. Is that how does how is that something that you kind of figure out a way to jujitsu and maybe anonymize some case studies or do something like that where you can talk about the impact without talking about the customer directly? Great, great question. I mean, clearly within healthcare, there's a lot of privacy rules and yep. regulations through HIPAA. So we're very careful about, about any information we're sharing. We work very closely with those HR leaders to make sure that they're in agreement on, on what the plan is. But it's, it's, it's a conversation and it is clearly a negotiation with them. We do believe typically all boats rise. And we have had this viral effect in that they see what we're doing in the white papers or content we're creating and the virality it's creating in this space within those leaders. And they want to get on board. So it, it tends to, once you start doing it, and if you do it well and the stories are well told, they they want to get on board, but it's clearly a conversation. I mean, they're they're you know, it's important for them to be protective of the employees, and important for them to their story to be told as well as in terms of what they're trying to do. It seems like you all, you know, over the past twelve years, but specifically kind of recently, have kind of figured out this balance between heavy complexity in the ecosystem and the product mm. with simplicity in message, like $200 a mm-hmm. year, you know, same day or next day, mm-hmm. like things like that, that you kind of, you know, want to repeat over and over and over again. What was kind of like, is that something, you know, we always talk about wanting to be simple, you know, having simple messaging as marketing marketers, but was that something that you 
had been wargaming with senior yeah. leaders? Is it something yeah. that you uh, you know were very purposeful about? How how do you think about that? Yeah, so this is a, an interesting part. So I've been here about a year and and a half, year and a couple months. One of the first things that we did, and I, I was leading, was really landing on a positioning that was true to who we are, and that that was a two or three months project where we worked with a small group of senior leaders, providers across the company, admins who work in the offices, and documented and researched directly from the company what made us different. I mean, we really wanted the story, the positioning story, to come directly out of the company. So that's a period of time of what is the story that we think we can tell, what differentiates us from the competition. We also then compared that to you know, a pretty deep brand health as well as an NPS study to what do consumers want and what are they, the members that we have telling us that makes us different. Yeah. And we connected those two things. And we came back to this idea I was mentioning called real life care that, you know, we are a product that does bend to your life. It is frictionless. It allows you to access our members and providers in a way that's more in line with somebody who's got a really busy life and doesn't want to be bogged down by a 24-month appointment that they can book or a 10-minute appointment that's 20 minutes late. That's not what people expect. So we, we came up with this idea called Real Life Care, which was the, the beginning point. I forgot the next part of your question. Which you got <laughs> the next part of your question... Um. It, it was just about, did you war game this? How did you like, and I, I'm kind of leading into like this, how do you create a, how are you all looking at creating a category is kind of where I'm going with this. How did we war game it? So, um, or you know, that, but that was, that was pretty but, much but, exactly but, the, but the, 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 I would also say just the, the idea, one of the biggest pain points, and we had this in lots of data when we're asking consumers, what do you expect from your healthcare provider? It, it, there's usually a timeliness if you're not feeling well. I mean, there's there may be a yearly visit that you want to go check in and talk about long-term health goals. But if you need to get in right away, that's a big frustration. That just just access is, is a problem. And then doctors who spend time with you and listen versus feeling like it's a disposable business conversation and I'm getting you in and getting you out, we know is really important to people. And that's core to what we offer. So those two things very much come into play. Our reasons to believe, we call them, which are those sort of more fact-based things like 24 virtual care product that it's Saturday at 2 a.m. and I'm not feeling well yeah. and I need to talk to somebody. Like, you know, most businesses are closed then. We're open. We've figured out time zones and you have access through the membership and it's a free part of our service that we offer up. So that that's really important. Same day, next day appointments are important. Doctors who listen. Um, our offices are also not up on, we, you know, we call it sort of pill hill. Like you're up near the big hospitals, you're down next to the sushi shop or coffee yeah. shop in your neighborhood. We're, we're where people live and, and, and work. So we're, there's a convenience there as well that makes it really, really powerful for people. Yeah. I mean, recently a place like right down the street from me became a, like an urgent care, you mm -hmm. know, and it's just one of those, like it's a half block away. Right. It's like, that's, it was so common sense when I saw it like happen. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what you need, right? Like urgent care needs to be right by you. But the step back from that is, hey, I, you know, I live in Oakland. I'm in Reno this weekend and I right. need to talk to someone in the next 24 hours and right. I'm not going back to Oakland right. in the next right. week. Right. Right. So what do I do now? 
how do I see someone now? How do I talk to someone now? And those like type of pain points are so precision to that moment. But there are things that you think about when, before you go on a trip or before whatever it is. So like, how do you get those into people's, you know, minds that to think of you all, not just in the moment, but in advance of that situation? So, I mean, part of it's in our life cycle marketing. I mean, we do, we, we talk a lot about long-term goals in life cycle and in email. The app experience is robust in terms of talking about your long-term goals, checking in on things like mental health. I mean, people may not think about primary care in that way. They may think about it as the sort of front door to health, but it's just that. It's actually much broader. It's, it's much more horizontal. It is mental health. It's physical PT. Mm-hmm. It's, um, Gosh, don't even get me started on dental care. The fact that it's not <laughs> part of healthcare drives me insane. Can you please tackle that? Right. Wouldn't that be amazing to be able to go to your doctor and see your doctor for your wellness visit and then you go next door and you get your teeth cleaned? Well, it, I mean, it'd be pretty amazing. It would be. And it's also like if your tooth gets infected and then you get an infection that makes you sick, it now is part of your body. Right. But before right. that, it was just part of your dental care. Like the whole thing is freaking crazy. It drives me crazy. Clearly, you can see I'm fired up about this <laughs> stuff because it's so obvious. Yeah. I'm even hitting the mic. It's well, it so is obvious. it is a complex thing. I mean, I think the one of the other things that makes us really different is one medical works within the current healthcare system. So we work with many, many insurance providers, um, most insurance providers we work with. So we are not a concierge service. Concierge services are very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're typically not billed through insurance. We work with insurance partners. That's, yeah. that's the way we work. Um, we charge a membership fee that's associated with our, with our app and some of the technology that we've had in there to build it so it's as seamless as possible for you to, to book within the app. It's, it's very much driven by that. But we're working within the healthcare system, which is highly complex on multiple levels and also highly regional. Um, one example of this that I think is another interesting way in which we, we operate is in many of the markets that we are, we are in, we have a hospital network that we partner with that is typically one of the best hospitals in that in that market for specialty care. So for example, in New York City it's Mount Sinai. Great, powerful institution, UCSD another in in uh, San Diego. If you need to talk to an orthopedist for a knee issue, we navigate care through electronic records. We're connected mm-hmm. together to be able to have you get in and, and talk to somebody. So we're speaking together. If you want to be referred outside to another hospital, that's fine too. But we've got these relationships within each of these markets. So it, we call it, I mean, the term is longitudinal, but it's like yeah. if you've got, you know, there's front door of health and then there's, if you need specialty care, we can help you out in another market. That's something, that's also another example of how we're playing within the complexity of healthcare and trying to modernize it from, from within. I want to switch gears to talking about some of your favorite campaigns that you've done with some of the really cool companies that you've worked at. Do you have a couple favorites that, uh, that, that you did? So, I mean, I'll, I'll throw a couple, you know, back, this is a 10-year-old campaign. Now, Go Forth was a really powerful experience of a group of us coming together to revitalize a brand that was really down and out, Levi's, this company that almost went bankrupt in 2001, and almost disappeared. 
And 100, what, 150 130, 50 years old. I mean, it's, it's in yeah. 110 countries. You know, it, all genes are spawned from this 501 gene um, fa- created in San Francisco back in the 1840s. Um, it was a workwear product. So how do you sort of revitalize this wonderfully powerful brand? And, and Go Forth was, was very much about that. It was a prequel. It was about going back in time and re-educating a new group of consumers um, young 16 to 21-year-olds. There's this lost generation who did Gap and all these other more fashion-forward denim brands. We relaunched the Batwing, which you see a lot of Batwings now, we call them, mm-hmm. uh, the Levi's classic 1970s. We we went back to the original in that time period and, and rebranded it. That was a really powerful experience about revitalizing an existing brand. Nest was you know, a fun in that products like thermostats and smoke alarms and security cameras are some of the boringest products <laughs> in the home. I mean, this is not, you know, Honeywell and, and, and First Alert, I mean, as great as they are, um, or ADT, this is not the sexiest brands. Or, you're not, or, you're not fired you're, up when you come home. No, from the you're not. Yeah. And we, you know, we were able to move to a place with Nest campaign line was, was thoughtful things that created desire and people were giving thermostats for showers, Father's Day, Mother's Day, um, thermostats, smoke alarms, and gifting them. Our, our biggest business of the year was holidays and other Hallmark holidays. I mean, it, it, became, it became very much a movement, and that was really about owning every part of the consumer experience from unboxing to the the engagement after they purchase the product through our energy savings reports and other other brand experiences. I think Nest had some of the really just coolest campaigns, so kudos. But I, I always loved it kinda it kind of feels similar to when Alexa like first when the like Echo Dot or whatever it was came out. Came out yeah. yeah. Where it was just like this is just a cool piece of tech yeah. that like makes your house a little bit more tech-enabled, yes. right? It was like a little piece of tech that you could yes. plop into your house and it kind of went from like dumb house to smart house yes. like pretty quick. And I just, I remember seeing that like you walk into someone's house like, oh, you you got a nest. Like, right. oh, how yeah. like how is it? Like, you know, it's an actual conversation starter, starter where like <laughs> you look at like. I mean, t- the, the, yeah. you know, the credit on the product, uh, Tony Fidel and, and Matt Rogers, I mean, Tony created the iPod at Apple under Steve and then went and created the the Nest thermostat with learning thermostat with with Matt. I mean the insight was three quarters of your heating or cooling is going through this device on a wall and it was designed and built in the 1980s. And in many parts of the country, people just leave the air conditioning on or heat going on all day. Yep. Imagine a product that was smart enough that recognized when you were in the house and out of the house and turned itself up or down was was a pretty smart insight early on. Could you take the technology, the iPhone, and bring it to a, a pretty dated category? But the consumer experience was very much a labor of love there. We really wanted to make sure every part of it was as thoughtful as as the design of the product was. The marketing needed to marry that that same experience. Doug, you sound more like a product guy than a marketer a lot of the time <laughs> when you talk. Like you really talk about how much the product has impact. Do you feel like there's a certain amount of like empathy that you put into your marketing to really understand what the consumer's going through yeah. to be able to, you know, create a message? Yeah, I, I think I mean, I think it all starts and ends with 
the product you're selling. I mean, I really do. And, and I think that's one of the reasons I came to One Medical is as having lived and breathed that experience. It's it's really what we do. And, and the marketing, I believe, should be a direct extension of that. The example I'd use with One Medical, we were in a meeting with um, some of our provider leadership, Leah Rothman and Andrew Diamond. And we were talking about our next campaign for One Medical and what we were going to focus on. And um, they started telling us about this idea called door handle questions, that they're meeting with a patient. It's at minute 25. They're sort of wrapping up. The patient, the member goes to the door and is turning the handle of the door and has one more thing that they want to ask that's been on their mind, that they've been trying to figure out a way to say it to the doctor, right? Yeah. That's all in our head. And that was the genesis of the campaign. It directly came out of the product experience, which is our providers. The product is out for us is out in the field. It's the service we offer and the relationship between a provider helping a member with their health goals. The campaign is called Glad You Asked, and it's the response from the provider to the member. And it could be anything. It could be about mental health. It could be about sexual health, something that's bothering mm -hmm. them. It could be about a mole on their back. Yeah. It could be about their mobile phone use. And the campaign stories came directly out of um, our providers and what questions they actually get asked. So I think it, it is the, the authenticity of that aligned with the product offering to me is, is really, really paramount. That's when you know you're, you're sort of starting to, to click. What a brilliant insight and such a great way to give a voice to people who historically don't have a voice. Like you would think that your primary care physician has a voice. They talk to people all right. day long, right. but like they don't talk to people at scale and mm -hmm. they see, they pattern, I mean, their job is to pattern match issues, right. right? That's right. But so it's like, you know, Dennis would tell you, you need to floss every day or whatever it is. We've probably all heard that a bunch of times, but like you said, there's always that moment of, should I, should I get this checked out? Right. Should I do this thing? Right. Uh, and that how, how is that person, the insecurity and, and are, are they going to think differently of me when I ask it? We're trying to break down any taboos with having conversations. It's one of the big things within mental health, right? It's, it's if somebody is struggling with anxiety or depression, it's really about having the conversation and, and opening up to family members and or a, a provider or somebody who's in the, in the healthcare field. We want to break down those barriers and have, have conversations. Um, and that's very much a key part of what our providers do every day. <clears throat> the only thing I, I was just going to say about mission-based companies that I think mm -hmm. is one of the things I really love about mission-based companies is you tend to move to revenue as your mission if you're not in a mission-based company. Yeah. And I've been a part of clients on the advertising side or other companies that have done that where the goal is, is revenue growth or a target and that becomes your mission. Having an organizing principle that the entire company is rallying around that is true to what you do every day is incredibly powerful and intoxicating. It, it, it really is the reason that One Medical's culture is as good as it is around healthcare. Nest had this on, on um, the environment. Levi's had it in a variety of different areas, LGBTQ, mm -hmm. design, the heritage of the company, like everyone was rallied around that. But I do think it's an important rallying cry internally. And then it's figuring out how all the things you're doing, the actions you're creating, your activity, your behavior is supportive of that, of supportive of that mission. Well, and mission allows you to get anecdotal insights 
because revenue doesn't provide that. Like if someone says, hey, you changed my life because you helped me go to the doctor in 24 hours and they caught that I had breast cancer. You literally changed someone's life. That will never, that, that micro moment will never be represented on your P&L. But the impact of that anecdote is a direct link to your company's mission. Yes. And that impact is what makes your company valuable for 100 years rather right. than just like next quarter. And I think that that's what people lose. Like you have nowhere to capture and store these anecdotal things that matter against mm -hmm. something else. It just becomes something that's not valuable. And inherently, it's exponentially more valuable than that person's $200, especially with word of mouth and all of that. It's, it's also table stakes, right? It's sort of yeah, price of entry. Sure. Like if you're not growing, you're going out of business. Yeah. So it's like everybody says that. You know, like everybody wants their business growing and we all should. That's what we're... Or it is a business, but that's not really ultimately the line on the horizon that you're driving to. All right, let's get into some lightning round questions. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. We love Pardot. You will too. Check them out. Lightning round questions. Doug, are you ready? I think so. I don't know what these are going to be, but I guess I am. What app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? <laughs> that's the most fun. A lot of mine are utility apps. They're not that fun. I'm a big XM radio um, sure. app user. I, I, that's probably one of my favorite. On my commutes as I'm on the ferry coming in, I listen to uh, a variety of different content on there. That's probably my favorite, followed by Spotify. Favorite one-day getaway in the Bay Area? Uh, Tahoe, Lake Tahoe. What ad campaign have you seen recently that you're jealous of? Um, probably the IKEA campaign from uh, from Can. It, it did it won a bunch of awards, but it was about those with disabilities and creating uh, furniture. IKEA has actually created a full furniture line that was focused on and designed with folks with disabilities to help them live a more appropriate life. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, it was, check it was it actually, out. check it out. It's very cool. We'll link it up in the show notes. Yeah. Producer Ben is on it. Booker podcast that you've read or listened to recently that you enjoyed? I'm reading one about the national parks. That's really cool. Mm. I'm kind of a history buff. I kind of like to get out of business world, given I do this most of the day. So I, I kind of love to go into uh, history books and things like that to free my mind. I was just in... Uh, Calaveras uh, up in the big trees this past weekend. It's like you see Amazing. those national parks and you're like, thank goodness they, they set exist. all this stuff aside. Right. Geniuses 100 years ago. Shout out Teddy Roosevelt. What are you most excited about for the future marketing? We had a guest speaker in from Sleeping Giants. I don't know if you know about this company. I've heard of them. You've heard of them. And we spent a lot of time, Matt Rivets, who's a, who's a, a friend and, and somebody I'd worked with in, in the past and um, has really created an incredible movement on brand safety and the issues within programmatic marketing. So, you know, good amount of pro programmatic marketing where you're, you're buying into digital display advertising and it's showing up in places that you may not want your brand showing up yep. on. That is really dangerous. For, for about four or five years, it has become a buzzword in marketing, and it's really a spray and pray model, and you don't know where it's showing up. So I'm really excited about a time where we can get away from programmatic and get back to a more 
curated experience where brands are showing up in the places that they appropriately should be showing up. Because it is all about targeting and the control is outside of the brand, the marketer, and the company in general. Best advice for a first-time CMO? My best advice would be the balance between brand building, storytelling, positioning, and the business have to be evaluated at all times. I think that it is really important that if you skew one way or the other, you could have a problem for yourself. And it's important that you walk and chew gum at the same time. You've got to do both. And there's a, there can be a tendency within startups to only focus on the business building without thinking about the story we're telling, because there is inherently a lot of equity in these brands as they're build, being built. And any CFO, of course, would tell us that. But, but the, the balance, and the balance changes over time depending on what stage life cycle you're at. But over skewing one way or the other to a full business model or a full brand model, um, I think my advice would be to keep those things in check and make sure you're doing, you're doing both appropriately. Last question. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? I don't know how to answer that one. That's a tough one. I don't know how to answer that one. Um, why a labradoodle and not a, hey, well, we a have Bernice a, mountain dog? Hey, we have a golden doodle as our company dog. So, oh, really? yeah. There you go. Well, so why a labradoodle is a great question. A little random, but there you um, go. Why the labradoodle? It's hypoallergenic. And there you go. There, right? They don't shed. <laughs> He's a sweet dog. Doug, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Anything to plug? Any final words? Go to onemedical.com and see all the amazing new cities we're coming to. We're going to be expanding rapidly over the next 24 months. So we're going to be blowing this up all across the country to bring uh, real life care to more Americans to help them in their health. So, So check us out online. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day.
head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.